Welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through his word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. Well, I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. Last week, we concluded chapter one of our Ephesians book study, and now we move on to chapter two. And brothers and sisters, I have to just say that this chapter is so powerful, so enriching, so engaging, so wonderful, and so foundational that we're going to go ahead and jump right in. So let's go ahead and start reading Ephesians chapter two. Verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Well, that was very, very powerful stuff. Very foundational. And if you're reading this with me right now, which I would encourage you to do. Now, obviously, if you're in the car, you can't do that. But my point is, if you're reading this with me, and following along, it leaves no room for doubt. And if you're reading what God is trying to tell us here, it's very, very clear. And everything that we read here in those first 10 verses are just so magnificent, so wonderful, so profound. And as a believer, it just fills you to the brim. So let's go ahead and go back to verse 1, and let's start breaking this down. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Dead here is lifeless. You're like a dead body, a corpse, dead and unresponsive to the things of God. That's how we were in our sins. That's exactly how we were. Matter of fact, Going back to our book study series in Colossians, turn with me real quick to Colossians 2.13. Here's what it says. 
and you might remember this from last time we did this, but it says, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, that sounds very familiar. Because we just read that in verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. God is a God of order, and his message does not change. God does not change. But here, we are presented a major problem. Our sins. Verse 2, in which you formerly walked. We used to be that way. We used to be dead. Think of it as like we're the walking dead. Literally the walking dead. We were so motivated and consumed with the desires of our flesh that what do we do? We sinned nonstop. If it felt good, we did it. If it looked good, we went after it. And now that presents a major issue. That creates that barrier between you and God. That separated us. That, that we were completely spiritually dead, stone cold dead. Going back to verse 2 again, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. This world is a cesspool of fleshly indulgence. I mean, if you if you look for if you look for it, you're gonna see it so clearly. And now, as a <laughs> a very wide open person right now, we do a lot of our TV watching, so to speak, streaming. So there's not a lot of ads and there's not a lot of things like that that show us what the world's turning into. And so as of late, we kind of were watching some TV and I'll tell you what, the commercials now are so blatantly sinful that it's scary. And even think about this, one of the major advertisements out there, there is alcohol. And in alcohol commercials, here's what you see. You see young people, they're dancing, they're having a great time, everybody's smiling, everybody has the can and it's so bright and it's so shiny and colorful and enticing. And basically what that message is sending to us is that if you want to have a good time, if you want to be accepted, if you want to live your best life, then here's what you need to do. And here's what they don't show us. They don't show us the alcoholism. They don't show us the stealing from loved ones to get that alcohol to satisfy the craving of that addiction. They don't show the domestic disputes and domestic violence that arises after you consume so much alcohol, it turns you into a completely different person. They, do, they don't show you the premarital sex that leads to uh, people making horrible choices about their pregnancies. It doesn't show men and women having those relations and then 
the man realizing that, uh oh, I made a mistake and no, I don't want anything to do with that child. And now we're left with children without what God had ordained a man and a woman raising children, passing righteousness on to their children. And I'm sorry if I seem a little bit fired up right now, but here's here's what I don't like. I don't like that the world is so shallow that they think that, and it's not just alcohol here, talking about drugs, even talking about relationships, that those things are worth striving after. And they're not. Now, I am in no way, shape, or form saying that a relationship is not worth striving for. But when it comes in between you and God, then it's not worth it. Jesus even said himself that if you love your father and mother more than me, you are not worthy of me. <laughs> a saying goes with a spouse. A saying goes with your children. That is a hard message to hear, to understand, and to follow. Christ has to have the preeminence. We, we read all about that and studied about that in Colossians 1. And yet, people don't get to hear the true gospel and what it costs to be a disciple. And then when they really find out what it means, well, I don't want any part of that. This is not what I signed up for. This is why it's so important to have the church be a driving force of truth so that People fully know what they're getting themselves into because I think a, I think a majority of people don't know truly what they're getting themselves into. It's the best thing you could ever do. It's the best decision you could ever make. But if you don't know the full cost of it, when those, when those situations, when those persecutions and those tough times do come up, people will bow out really quick. But going back to, again, verse two here, according to the course of this world. Again, now I harped on alcohol pretty hard, but I'll just be honest with you. Alcohol makes me very uncomfortable. I've had people who literally do not like me at all for whatever reasons. I, To me, I still don't know. And man, once you get alcohol on them, man, they are the nicest people on planet Earth and they'll put their arm around you and they'll, they'll tell you that they're so grateful to know you and that and then the next thing you know, when they're sober, they they are going right back to that same person. Or alcohol can turn people into the opposite way. They can turn them from the nicest person, quote unquote, nicest person you'd ever meet, to a very angry, violent individual. And so it's it's just one of those things where this is what people are living for. I mean, you hear the songs, everybody's working for the weekend. And man, once you get to Friday, man, you hit the bars and Friday and a Saturday night and Saturday and a Sunday. And then next thing you know, you're so hung over and feeling like garbage that you can't get to church. And we know in Colossians where it says Christ, who is our life, we cannot be controlled by the desires of the flesh. Because verse 2 clearly lays it out in which you formerly walked. We must completely repent of the way our lives are lived by our own desires, the way we think is right, and we surrender it to God's way. So we formally walk that way, and now we walk in newness of life. 
But again, let's go back to the, the last part of verse 2. According to the prince of the power of the air. This is talking about Satan here. He is the, the master schemer, the liar, the, the deceiver that shows people, hey, this life is amazing. This is fun. This is exciting. This is what you should be doing. And in reality, it draws you farther and farther away from God. That's why we talk about a wolf disguised in sheep's clothing. I, I can just imagine Satan. He acts like one of the good guys. Hey, you know what? Come on over. This is this is great. This is fun. This is exciting. Next thing you know, you're in such a you're just drowning in sin and you don't know how to get out of it. Now listen, now listen to this. It gets even worse. It says, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Now, don't get me wrong here. This spirit is not talking about the Holy Spirit or our inner man spirits. This is talking about an evil spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. It's the sons of disobedience are all those who are outside of Christ, who are outside of faith in him. And this disobedience word we're talking about here is willful unbelief. You hear about Christ and you willfully turn away from it. And there are many who fall in this category. Verse three, among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. We just talked about it. We all formerly lived as sons and daughters of disobedience. We desired the things of the flesh. We looked at a woman. We looked at a man. And we were just burning with passion. I have to have them. I have to get to know them. I have to, I have, to have them. And a lot of times it's not so much about who they are as a person. It's about the physical act. And I, I'm not even going to call that love because it's not love. It's lust. And it doesn't have to be the, that type of sin. We can even talk about having things as far as that we can, we can purchase. We can even talk about cars and money and clothes and all those things. And then it says, indulging the desires of the flesh. And of the mind. My question to you is this. How many sins and how often do we sin in our minds on a daily basis? I don't even want to go there. Because the amount of sins would be very, very high. I want you to think about this for a minute. I'm going to challenge you all here for just a second. So, just a few weeks ago, there was a Bible study that I was a part of, and we had a couple people in a relationship, and they were very open about their struggles, and one threw something and hit another person and hurt them. And now several people swarmed in and said, oh, you can't do that, and that is so wrong, and we never hit people out of anger. Yet, let me pose this to you. When Jesus said that if you, look, if you look at a woman with lust, you have committed adultery in your heart already. So if my spouse gets me upset and I visualize myself hitting her, that is the exact same thing. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, Nate. That's, that's pushing it. No, it's not. No, it's not. See, that's what the Pharisees thought. They thought that if they didn't do it physically, 
that they were okay. They were right on board with God. They were the highest of the high. And yet, they committed sins in their minds, in the secret places that no one else knows but them. But we all know who searches the heart. We all know who knows the secrets that we keep, and that is God Almighty himself. And we deceive ourselves in thinking that, hey, I'm not doing these things. But, you know, if you're watching a movie and some attractive lady is on there and you're like, hey, how are you? I mean, that right there, my friends, is is lust. And <laughs> if you're married, that's idolatry. Do you see why we desperately need a savior? It's so clear. It's so evident to me. And you know what? We live life in such a way that we have God in a box that when things get tough, people get sick. And then when the trials happen, we pray to God, asking for help. We open our Bibles. We kind of put on a little show. And then when we get our way, sometimes we don't even say, thank you, Lord. All we do is go back to the same thing we did until something bad happens again. And then we go do the same exact thing. It's, it's such a vicious cycle that is so unfair to God. And so I'm not going to hang out there much more, but I think we have things backwards, especially in the church. And a lot of times we're looking for the, the byproducts of the faith. We're looking for the blessings and healings and for the good stuff. But I, I think we drop the ball so hard when the tough times come because that is when we truly grow as believers in Christ. So let's keep going. And of the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. I'm telling you what, these first three verses are just, they're hard to listen to. I mean, we're talking about being dead in trespasses and sins, formerly walking in disobedience, in sins, according to the courts of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, and evil that is working in the sons of disobedience and living with our minds and hearts focused on the indulgences of the flesh and of the mind. And man, and now we're not, it, it gets even worse. And then it says, wrapping up verse 3, and we're by nature children of wrath. Here's the deal. Because Satan was our father, our doom was the same as his. God's divine wrath. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. In Hebrews, it says, it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It truly is. And this is the result of the fall. This is the result of being born with the sinful nature. We are objects and children of wrath. And I'm telling you what, these first three verses, some of you are probably like, okay, I, I, I want to be done now. I, I'm done. 
I'm beat up now. And some of us still live in the indulgences of the flesh, don't we? Well, of course we do. And by the way, I'm not exempt from that either. I still struggle with stuff. So again, I'm not saying anything to you that I'm not saying to myself. As a matter of fact, this study is not because, you know what? I think the listeners are going to like Ephesians. And I think this is going to be something that that I feel comfortable in and that I'm going to share with them and make them feel bad at first. And then they'll look upon and say, hey, okay, this was good. No, this is all because I want to know what it says in, in Ephesians. I want to slow it down. I want to fully understand it. I want to, I want to progress in my sanctification. I want to walk closer with God. I want to be more intimate with Christ. And you all get to experience kind of what's in my mind and what, what's in my heart. Because this is not a, you know what? I think this is going to be awesome for the listeners. This is my curiosity and a little bit of, without sounding a little too holier than thou, but but my desire to get to, to get on with God better. And I'm telling you, it's uh, sometimes it's hard to do, my friends. It's really hard to do. Because when you're going through this, these studies and scripture, and I've said it before on the show, again, I'll say it again, but two things happen when I read scripture now. I am completely amazed, and two, I'm convicted. And I know that I have a long, long way to go, but that's why we all need to bind each other together in love and unity so that when one of us struggles, we can pick the others up. That's that's the whole point of iron sharpening iron. But now let's go to verse 4. And my friends, I promise you, good news is on the way, and here it is. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And now you're probably wondering why I didn't go as far as verse 8, because I want that to be a standalone verse. But I told you this was good news. So let's go back to verse four, five, six, and seven. Verse four. But God being rich in mercy, this right here, rich in mercy. This is why sinners are able to be saved. This is why sinners are able to be reconciled to God. This is why Jesus came down to this earth because of his rich mercy. It, it's the covenant love in his son's blood. It's the compassion. It's the pity he had on us. And you know what? We are people that don't like pity. We want to be tough. We want to handle things on our own. But salvation is one thing, one thing in this world that we most certainly cannot achieve on our own. Salvation is not achieved. It's freely given by the grace of God. 
It was achieved, however, by the blood of Jesus Christ. But going to the rest of verse 4, because of his great love with which he loved us, God is so rich in mercy, and his great love made us alive in Christ Jesus. We were hopeless, lifeless, and worthless without him. What a grace that is given freely to us. And in verse 5, even when we were dead in our transgressions, people, it doesn't get any more real than that. There was nothing we can do to better our situation. The condition of our souls was doom. Our souls were stone cold dead. We were dead in spirit. The only remedy is that God had to make us alive. And the same power that does this enables us to live lives for God. What power are we talking about? The Holy Spirit power. See, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all work together in union to make our dead souls come alive. And that is such a wonderful power, an awe-inspiring power, a jaw-dropping power. Because even when we were dead in our transgressions, let's finish that off, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And that phrase will never get old. By grace you have been saved. But now we are made alive with Christ. Remember what we talked about in Colossians. We talked about everything is in him, with him, for him. Everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. Do you remember that episode? In him, in him, with him, with him. It's the same thing here. We are in partnership, in union with Christ. God doesn't just give us the power and say, okay, off you go. We are told to keep in step with the Spirit in Galatians 5. We're to walk with Christ. God is not a means to our own end. He doesn't enable us to have the power, and then we go on our merry way and live our own lives. We live lives in Christ and with Him and through Him. That's how we do it. And this made alive together with Christ, that means we're spiritually alive, regenerated, justified, and sanctified. Hallelujah. And in verse 6, and raised us up with Him. This is, again, talk about reviving our spiritual lives back to a way, in such a way that we can now please God. And not just raising us up spiritually, but also positionally. Because before we were in Christ, we had no access to God. Because I love John 14, 6, what it says. You've heard me say it before, 
But John 14, 6 is my all-time favorite verse because it is so absolute. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So the access that we did not have with God, he made a way because he is the way. It's only through him. And he raised us up with him. And then this is where it gets even better. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you're listening to this, and maybe you feel like you're down in the dumps, and you feel that in society that you don't mean a thing, no one knows your name, you don't have a platform to speak, people don't respect you, let me tell you something. In Christ, when your trust and faith is fully in Him and He is your Lord, Master, and Savior, your position goes from the lowest of lows to the absolute highest. What higher position in this world is there other than where Christ is? And the answer is, there is nothing. There's no position in this world that you can go higher than a Christian. And yes, your life may still be that way. But one day, when you're in heaven, glorified in the presence of Christ Jesus, being a co-heir with him, and you've heard me say this before, you are a co-heir with Christ. Do you understand the implications of that? Think about this. God spoke the world into existence. What do we do as people when we want to create something? We have to create something from a type of material. God creates something out of nothing. He created this whole entire world with the sound of his voice. And he is so powerful, he didn't even have to speak it. He could have just thought it. A mere blink of an eye, it would have came to be. That's who you're seated with. That should give you hope. That should give you purpose. That should drive you. That should motivate you. That's why going back to Colossians, when it's talking about Jesus Christ, who is our life. I was listening to a commercial while watching a football game the other day. And it was talking about John Madden. If you never heard about John Madden, he was a very famous football coach and inspired the Madden video game series, which, yes, I still play. And let me tell you something. 
He is a very old man right now, probably in his 80s. Don't hold me to that, but I'm just I'm just guessing. And in that commercial, it was about him, about a documentary series about his life in football. And one of the things he said stood out to me. He said, football is my life. I got news for you, my friends. Football, your job, your hobbies, your kids, your wife, your husband, your life cannot be your life. That is why it's so hard for people to accept the message of Christ. That's why. Do people want to participate in that? Probably not. We want to do our own thing. We want to live our own lives, speak our own truth, control my fate and destiny. Yet, the Lord determines our footsteps. He determines our paths. And we are under this grand illusion that we are the masters of our own lives. And when you come to the realization that you're not, and that Christ is in control and demands control and demands the preeminence in all things, then you will experience the abundant life. Then you will experience true peace, true joy, true happiness. That is where it's at. But we get caught up in our own selves. We get caught up in circumstances. And yet this message right here, there is no place higher you can go than a Christian. Yet our lives are what? Filled with suffering, turmoil, stress, anxiety. But we as believers have one thing that non-believers don't. And that is God. That is God. So no matter what I'm going through, no matter the turmoil, no matter the tribulation, no matter the suffering, no matter the pain, no matter the heartache, God is always with you. And he is working for the good of those who love him. That is a promise. That is a guarantee. Never lose sight of that. Verse 7, so that the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God's grace is bestowed upon us lavishly, endlessly, limitlessly, and richly. Boy, that ought to motivate us. There should be no other motivator than God's love being lavishly poured upon us. Again, I've said it before, like a cup under a waterfall. And now we reach verse 8. And in verse 8, I have to explain to you something here. This is a very foundational verse. And this verse clears up any sort of debate 
on if you can earn salvation on your own. Is there any other way to get to heaven? Let's read it. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It truly doesn't get any clearer than that. It's by God's wondrous, amazing grace. That's why we sing amazing grace. Because grace just means undeserved favor. Unmerited favor. Because we live in a society, we live in a world that everything we get in this life, we must earn or on our own merit. And, and that's what's so profoundly amazing is that it's not of ourselves. It's right here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. We must fully believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and that not of ourselves but it's a gift of God. Salvation is a gift that God gives us freely. It's a free gift. Can you imagine if there was a price tag on salvation? That number would be astronomically unattainable. The price tag would be so high that we couldn't ever afford it. And speaking of that, Give you a little bit of a reference here. The owner of Amazon spent $5.5 billion. B-I-L-L-I-O-N. Dollars. To be in space, not for a day, not for an hour, but for four minutes. You heard me correctly. And we wonder why we have so many problems in this world. Because could you imagine what communities could do with that kind of money? People wouldn't be going hungry. People would have shelter. Veterans would be taken care of. But nope. Let's go in outer space for four minutes. And yet that's not the highest you can go. There are wonders in heaven that are going to be so filled with splendor and awe that it's going to leave us speechless. And the reality, my friends, is this free gift of God is exactly that. It's free. And that not of yourselves. How did the owner of Amazon get to where he got? Well, he had to work for it. He had a grind for it. And he achieved CEO status. And his company is worth billions. 
and is able to go to space and spend $5.5 billion in that. Yet the person on the streets with no home, no money attached to his name, if that person's faith and trust is upon the Lord Jesus Christ and fully in him, and Jesus is his Lord, Master, and Savior, and he's fully repented of his sins with godly sorrow, that homeless man will have a mansion in heaven with his name on it, and he will be walking on streets of gold. And he will be in the presence of the living God. That is the power of the gospel. That is the power and grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, verse 9. Salvation isn't of what we do to earn it. It was paid in full by Christ. And think of this way. Because we just talked about putting a price tag on salvation. If we could earn it, it would first off diminish Christ. But man, if we could earn that, look at me. Pounding my chest. Look what I was able to accomplish. And that is the exact opposite of what Scripture teaches. Verse 10. For we talking about the fellow believers in Jesus Christ. We are his workmanship. What does that mean? The creation or a work of God. We are God's work. We're his handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. Okay, are you hearing that now? Let's make this distinction. There are a lot of people out there right now that think that they are a good person, and that their good deeds will get them into heaven. Well, I'm 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 sixty percent of the time I'm a really good person. The other forty percent, well, we're not going to talk about that. But my good deeds outweigh my bad, so therefore I am a believer in Christ. I am saved, and I'm going to go to heaven. Is that what verse eight teaches us? Verse nine. No, it's not. Because going back to it, I have to keep going back to it because it's so important. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Did that say anything about works at all? No. Because it says, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. When you get a gift, did you do anything to earn it? No. But here's one thing you have to do. With a gift... You have two choices. You can stick out your hand, palm facing the person and say, no, thank you. I don't want your gift. Or you could have your hand with your palm facing up, willing to receive the gift. 
and the million dollar question, or in this case, the $5.5 billion question is, what are you going to do with this gift of salvation that Christ is offering you right now with his nail-pierced hand extending out to yours? What are you going to do with it? Are you going to accept it or reject it? And if you are of the brethren, the elect, the saved by Christ Jesus, verse 10, we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not saved by good works. We're created for good works. So again, salvation is not the result of good works. Good works are the result of salvation. Did you catch that? It is the evidence of our salvation, a transformed life. Let's read the rest of verse 10, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The Bible lays out everything that we need to live a godly life. So what do we need to do? Well, we need to study scripture and we need to be praying in the Holy Spirit, asking God to prune us, if you will, in such a way that we glorify and honor him in obedience, which should be backed by love. But we need to walk in good works. And the absolute perfect model is Christ Jesus, our Lord. I mean, look at his life. Look at the Gospels. And you will know for certain how we are to walk in good works. Because that's what Christ did. He is the absolute perfect model. Matter of fact, I want to take you real quick to John 21, 25. It says, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. How many books are in this world right now? How many books are in this world? I don't even know. I don't think you can right now put a number on it. But all the books written in this world would not be enough to contain the good things, the good works that he did for people while he's on this earth. Isn't that amazing? That's truly amazing. So what are we doing with our time? Are we walking in good works? Are we God's workmanship? Are we working for the Lord? Serving the kingdom? It's a very important question we all need to ask ourselves. So as we wrap up, I'm going to leave you with this thought. We used to walk in darkness. We used to be dead in our sins and our trespasses. This world, its lusts, its passions, its desires, used to be 
our driving force. It used to be our Lord. And our spirits were completely and utterly dead. And then verse 4 happened. God being rich in mercy. And because of his great love with which he loved us. Made us alive together with Christ. And he raises us up with Christ in the heavenly places. He has showed us all the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ, which I am forever grateful for, as well you are as well. But verse 8 is it. And verse 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. What a gift. What a gift. He doesn't make you earn it. You don't have to work for 50 years, build up your pension, build up your retirement, cash in, and then live out your twilight years, your golden years, and fade off in the sunset. No, because our glory doesn't fade. It gets brighter and brighter every day. And our salvation is not the result of works, not of ourselves, so that no one may boast. But we are, my brothers and sisters, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And we must walk in them. So if you've been stagnant in your faith, if you have not been walking in love and walking in good works, then I pray that you would burst out of that shell today. Stand up for the kingdom and start grinding. Because everything that we do in Christ Jesus is for him. But here's the wonderful thing. It's never in vain. It's never in vain. We love because he first loved us. And so, with that knowledge... We need to take this message of grace, this message of this gift of God to this dead world. So, I thank you so much for being on this journey with me with our second full book study series. I am so blessed to be a part of it, and I pray that it blesses you as well. And I just want to remind you all that if you ever wanted to get in, in touch with me, tell me your story, your conversion story, any story you have, or if you have a question, concern, or anything at all, 
please feel free to email the show at livingparablestruth at gmail.com. And we are also going interactive. Every episode, we will have a Q&A or a poll that you can get interactive with so you can be a part of this family. And the only side I need to tell you about is that it's on Spotify only. So you could download that and then you can interact with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, which is a really cool thing. God has wonderful things in store for us. And I'm excited to be a part of his kingdom. And it truly is humbling. And I pray that as we continue on this journey of Ephesians, that you continue to walk in faith, walk in love, and walk in good works. And I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And remember that everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.